is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For a hundred years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store and Nissan.com today. Uh, welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM New York. I'm Amani Toomer, joined here by Mike Tannenbaum, GM extraordinaire. Uh, Mike, you're looking at this game. It's not looking good uh, for, for our Giants in terms of the matchup. What is the matchup you think that is going to be the most exploited by the Cowboys? And what do the Giants really need to do to get this game even close? By the way, I would like to be introduced as the father of a current Wolverine. Not as okay. A GM, so. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, Amani, I thought you did a great job of laying out the keys to the game for the Giants earlier in the show. And to me, um, a couple things. I, I I can't turn the ball over if I'm the Giants. And mm-hmm. Tommy DeVito is going to have to play a clean game and just make them go the long, hard way. And then hopefully as an undermanned team, as you mentioned, you know, maybe it's one or two plays on special teams. It's a turnover. Um, the Giants can rush the passer. Um, I just think the way I, I really thought you nailed it, because I think what Mike McCartney is saying is like, look, we're going to play this game a little bit like the way the Wolverines played yesterday. We don't think that the Giants are going to be able to score on us, and we're not going to turn it over. Absolutely. Yeah, and we get for, for more. Let's go to uh, let's do the jo- the Jordan Renan report here, brought to you by Samsung Auto Mall. Top uh, ten top brands over two hundred two thousand vehicles in one place. Samsung Auto Mall in Woodbridge. Uh, Jordan, uh, what's going on down there uh, in Dallas? I mean, it's not looking good. The line is out of this world. Nita said it's the uh, third highest line. Uh, in NFL in, in the NFL recent history, um, man, what is it going to take for this Giants team to to keep this one close after they got beat by forty on opening night when they were all healthy? Yeah, well, I think obviously everything went wrong in that game. Right, they let up a defensive touchdown, uh, they let up a special teams touchdown. That was a total mess. But I will say this: the Giants' offensive line is perhaps in the best shape that it's been in all year. Uh, even though they lost last week in Oakland, like I keep saying, Oakland, Jesus, <laughs> Las Vegas, <laughs> ah, man, I can't, I can't get that one. Even though they lost last week in Las Vegas, uh, I thought their line actually, and I know they gave up sacks, but it was kind of like from Devito holding onto the ball a long time, a couple like rushing, you know, he's running and he runs out of bounds one yard short of the line of scrimmage, like that's how they racked up a lot of their sacks. Their line is in pretty good shape, so it's run, run, run the ball have the defense have a bounce-back effort, um, which I kind of do expect. I, I, I know everyone expects them to get blown here. I actually think they're going to play They're going to play tough in this game. Uh, their defense is not going to just lay down. I think they're going to they're gonna have a good effort. Remember, in the previous three games before that Oakland debacle last week where, you know, everything went wrong again, and uh, once Daniel Jones went down, I felt like everything, you know, the, the air was just taken out. But the previous three games, they allowed 14 points to Buffalo, uh, seven to Washington and thirteen in overtime to the Jets. So I think they could put together a good offensive performance, try and run the ball, and get just get some points on the board and keep this close. 
What about on the other side of the ball, Jordan? How do you expect them to move the ball with uh, Tommy DeVito? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see them move. You saw Tommy DeVito has some success in the second half in Las Vegas. Uh, it was a lot of improvising, get, you know, him on the move, moving around, uh, throwing the ball on the run. I think that's what you're looking to do here. You're looking to run the football with Saquon, right? You know, he's going to have 20-plus carries again pretty much every week until – you know, uh, he's not playing anymore, if that happens. Uh, and then, you know, have DeVito, you know, move the pocket, uh, bootlegs, uh, just opportunities for him to just not sit back there. And because, look, this is, that's the one thing that Dallas does, right? They rush the pressure. They lead the NFL in pass rush win rate. They lead the NFL in pressure rate. You can't just go back, and the Giants can't just go back and throw normal passes. They have to do things where DeVito has space and is on the move, and there's quick, easy reads to make, if anything. Uh, uh, you know, they, they can't just have him go back and pass the football. So that's kind of how I expect him to get by with, with Tommy DeVito. And uh, you know what? I thought he played all right last week. So I, I do think they'll be able to do something. Uh, but the one thing they can't do is just go back there and have him sit in the pocket and pick apart the defense. That's not going to be something he's going to be able to do at this point of his progressions. Now, Jordan, uh, Xavier McKinney came out this week and said uh, that he feels that the coaches, mainly Wink Martindale, uh, aren't paying attention to the players. And they're put. this is like the first real fissure in um, Brian Dable's kind of culture uh, that, that, he, that has been really successful over, the, over his tenure here with the Giants. Uh, uh, what is is that being made too much of? Is that so, is that resonating in the locker room, or is that just kind of something that we hear that kind of flies away? Because those are the types of things that start small but could end cavernous. Yeah, well, let me lay out the situation, right? So after the game, I went up to Xavier McKinney. It was just me, and you know, I had the microphone out and everything, and I said, "Hey, you know, uh, how tough is it to lose your quarterback like me for the season?" And he said, you know, that's a tough, that's a big loss. And he just went into his frustration about how he didn't think the leaders were being hurt. And honestly, I was like, well, I got to ask you, like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? You know, like, it came out of left field. Now, the more I talked to people this week, I, and my thought process at the time was, he's saying that. It's probably not an isolated thing. There's at least a couple guys out, you know, that that are probably, you know, talking to him, thinking the same things as him. Uh, but then when I got in the locker room this week, I do think, look, there's probably a few guys that do think the same thing. But I do think it's more of an isolated thing that it was just frust- immediate frustration right after the game. Uh, you know, they had just lost their quarterback. They had just gotten blown out by a rookie quarterback and, and the Raiders. Uh, and I think it was just him just being frustrated. And Wink said it was actually about his frustration when he talked to uh, X. Was, it was more like his frustration with one a coverage that they called one time in the game. So uh, I do think that, at least for now, it's something you talk about. You keep in the back of your mind, like, hey, the cracks have started the show, but I don't think it's something that's going to lead to a long-term problem here with the Giants, or it's really an indication of, of a bigger problem that's going on. And what what about the the quarterback situation relative to 
assuming that Tyrod Taylor, right, doesn't come back this year, like, do they really feel comfortable with going with Tommy DeVito? Uh, I think they like Tommy DeVito more than – first of all, Tommy DeVito, I'll say this. Look, people are making too much – oh, they don't trust – they didn't trust him to throw the ball. He can't throw the ball. Like, they didn't throw the ball because they didn't need to throw the ball in that game, right? They had the game won. They just didn't feel it was necessary. The weather was really terrible. They didn't have any confidence that the Jets would score. So he really did. They just said, well, what did we did? And they did. They had the game one 99% chance to win. And, you know, with 24 seconds left, they just didn't feel so. Everyone thinks that he can't throw the ball. I actually do think he can throw the ball. Now, we saw the other day, you know, reading defenses and the going through the progressions. It's moving fast for him. That's going to be tough. But the idea that he just can't throw the ball, I think, is being is overstated. And like, like literally everything I, you know, say about the guy or tweet about him, that's like the first comment. Like, oh, he's trash. He literally can't throw the football. They won't let him throw. Like, I don't think that's the case. I think the Giants think more highly of him than uh, the outside perception. Now, they could, I think, still go to Matt Barkley at some point. And I and I definitely, I know the easy assumption is why bring Tyrod Taylor back, but. Let me lay this out to you. Tyrod Taylor has some broken ribs, I believe. Correct? So the likelihood is he and he thinks it's a, a non-season ending injury. He, he can be back this season, you know, missed for five weeks. That's fully in the uh, – seems to be a possibility. If they just say, you know what, why don't you just take it easy and sit out. Saquon Barkley is someone who's very friendly with Tyrod Taylor. How do you, Mike, and you, you guys both know, how do you think that would play in a locker room if Saquon knows are just like, you know what? Hey, Tyrod, you just sit there. You know, we don't need to rush you. We don't need to rush you or bring you back. The season's lost. Hey, but Saquon, by the way, you, who, who's in the contract here, you go out there and get 25 carries again. How would that play if that's the scenario? So I don't see Tyrod Taylor being out for the rest of the year. I actually see him coming back after the, uh, I mean, unless Tommy DeVito starts playing really well. I see him coming back after the bye week Monday night against the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about um, one of the so, – so go ahead, you, sorry. you went from a journalist to Dr. Renan in about two <laughs> questions. That was really impressive, Jordan. Yeah. Get on the couch right there. You guys, you guys tell me, though, wouldn't that be – wouldn't that be a – that's how Brian Dable could lose the locker room. If you, if you do something like that, that's how you could lose the locker room because how is Saquon Barkley and the other guys in that locker room going to take it if Darren Waller and Tyrod Taylor are just like, you know what? The season's over. Just sit out. Yeah, it's. I, I've been on teams where nothing makes sense. You just got to go out there and put the best for team forward you can. And Saquon's in a contract here, so he's kind of in a pickle. So I, I think that you're overestimating the the pressure on these players. That they have to play. Like you're not going to go into the contract and contract year and be like, oh well. Well, this is what happened, and they, that nobody cares. It's a bottom line business. We're going to look at the statistics, and that's where they're going to go. Uh, but one of the highlights of this team, let's talk about Kayvon Thibodeau and, and how well he's been playing and the focus that he's been displaying. Um, even when he took a lot of heat early on in the season, now he's at, uh, last I checked, he was at eight and a half sacks, you know, on pace. Eight and to, a half, yep. Yeah, eight and a half to be on pace to be. Um, you know, have one of the best uh, uh, sack uh, rec- uh, sack uh, um, seasons any Giant players ever had. Um, so, why has he turned the corner? What about him has been able to over overperform 
uh, in, in a very tough situation, uh, playing for a, a team and a defense that has been disappointing pretty much the entire season. I think he's been able to just take advantage of his opportunities. You know, like, you know, last year his pressure percentage was better than it actually is this year. But this year his pressure percentage is lower, but when he gets those opportunities, he's getting those sacks. And I know, you know, and I forget who did it this week, but one of the coaches was like, you know, I I don't worry about sacks. Pressures is more important. It might have been the Jets, actually. I think it was the Jets. It was about Quinn and Williams, maybe even. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pressures, you know, we are just as important. Yeah, I get it. Pressures are very important, and you like pressures. But you know what you like also? You like sacks, because not only is it a pressure, but it's also basically a loss of yardage and essentially a loss of down on top of it. So sacks are better. It's good to get sacks. So to take advantage of those, which Kayvon Thibodeau has done this year, is great. Now, the only thing you want to see from him, is you just want to see it more consistently. Like in that Las Vegas game, you didn't really notice him in that game in particular. Like you just need to see it more consistently with him. And I think when you when he does that, you're going to have a guy that people you know were expecting when he was the number five overall pick. But uh, I think so far this season, I think he's been a little bit more refined with his moves. Uh, you can see him you know, developing a little bit more in regards to his moves. Uh, and I think that's made a difference here so that when he does win, it's okay, I can win pretty cleanly and I can actually get a sack, not just get a pressure, which is great and might force an incompletion or something, but then it's second and 10. I'd much rather it be second and 16 uh, than second and 10, but that's just me. Jory, do you expect uh, any other moves that the Giants could do specifically at the quarterback position? You know, we saw the trade deadline come and go. Josh Dobbs was traded from Arizona to Minnesota, but there are some quarterbacks out there. So you went over the Tyrod Taylor situation, but um, do, you, do you expect them to look into some of these veteran guys that are out there? Mm, I think at this point uh, it's it's uh, DeVito and Matt Barkley, and those are the two guys you're going to see. I mean, uh, Jacob Beeson is now on the practice squad. He's a guy who's bouncing around a little bit. I believe he was a third-round pick for the Colts several years back. I think – those are the guys that are going to be there. I mean, if it's, if DeVito goes really poorly, Matt Barkley's next. I think it was just a matter of getting him up to speed a little bit more. And I'm, I actually think that Tyrod Taylor is going to come back in a few weeks. So um, I don't think we're going in that direction. And, I, you know, everyone's pretty realistic of where the season is headed. Like, where, what, 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 do we, what is it? Why do we need to? Like, what's, what's the point, right? Um, if we, you know, they're just trying to get by right now. People, everybody wants them to tank. I mean, that's all I get. All I see on my timeline is who cares, tank? Who cares, tank? You know, now they're not going to think that, but I don't, there's not that much better out there right now. Um, so I think this is this is what they're rolling with. It's DeVito and it's Matt Barkley. And DeVito, by the way, is the guy you want to root for. You know, Absolutely. a local kid. Uh, he's, he's living at home, Amani, which I find amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I just find I find it to be such a good story. I mean, he was a practice squad player. He lives, literally lives nine miles from the stadium. Uh, so to see him have he could have a little success here, I think it would be a fun little story for Tommy DeVito and uh, you know the, the little uh, Cedar Grove area and the, the local the local angle with Tommy DeVito because uh, he's a really really likable guy uh, and the Giants really do the players in the locker room really like him as well. Yeah, no, I'm sure he's a great guy, but, um, 
you know, it's the bottom line business. And I hope he does well, you know, being a local kid and all that. Uh, the Giants have had history, with great history with local kids. They found a Victor Cruz out of uh, Patterson Catholic. So I'm definitely... Um, Victor Cruz, Sean O'Hara, David Tyree. <clears throat> Amani, where, where, where did uh, Amani... Victor Cruz's safety school was Michigan. Do you know where he went as an undergrad? Yeah, he went to UConn. No, he didn't. He went to UMass. UMass, UMass same thing. UMass. Ah, <laughs> God, you got me. Same thing. Same thing. Oh, God. that's <laughs> like saying Ohio State and Michigan is the same thing. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Well, I that... know you are you are insulting Mr. Tannenbaum over there to the nth degree right now. Sir. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, oh, Jordan. Man. No, no shade meant to be thrown. I, I, that was my mistake. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State. There's no difference, right, Jordan? Oh, I hate that. You're right. You're right, Mike. I hate that. I hate Look that. Him, like, you can see his. You can see his blood boiling right now. You can tell. <laughs> oh, I gotta. <laughs> we're gotta we're gotta, I gotta calm him down. Amani, you know the Achilles heel now. You know uh, the Achilles oh yeah, heel. yeah. To, in case you ever need to go there, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, I gotta I gotta wrap this up. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Uh, I think um, you know we definitely got a little more insight into what's going on, and hopefully today won't be as bad, or maybe it might be a great day uh, uh, with the Giants down there in Jerry's world. But um, uh, thanks, thanks. They're Jordan. gonna hang tough. That's my prediction, Imani. They're gonna hang tough in this game. Oh, you got there. They're gonna be. Uh, with the Backstreet Boys Taking hanging tough today? <laughs> hanging Taking tough. The 17 and a half. <laughs> 17 and a half. All right. Well, that's the Jordan Renan Report brought to you by Sansong. Make your best deal right now at Sansung Auto Mall and tell them Bart Scott sent you? Anyway, yeah. Tell them Bart Scott sent you and you'll get an extra rack. That's 1,000 American, hard-earned American pesos off of uh, off the off the best deal, and that's called Samsung one eight hundred Samsung today. And we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more uh, New York game day here on ESPN New York, uh, ESPN New York as we know it. All right, see you guys later. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to New York Game Day, brought to you by Bud Light. Sunday's chore, loading Bud Light in the fridge. It's football time. Bud Light, easy to enjoy. Bud Light, the official beer of the NFL. So make sure you enjoy responsibly. Uh, This is Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. And gentlemen, uh, we've got a game in Germany that's about to kick off in just a few minutes. The Colts going up against the Patriots. Patriots favored by two. The over-under here is uh, is sitting at 42-and-a-half. I like the Patriots here today. I just think defensively the Patriots are better. I think that offensively the Patriots can take advantage of the Colts secondary, and maybe this is the get-right game for Mac Jones with uh, Demario Douglas and Hunter Henry. Um, Mike, what say you? Do you like the Patriots here against the Colts today? Yeah, I do. Uh, candidly, I, I, I'm with you. I thought Mac Jones would have been played better this year. Uh, I'm really surprised that uh, um, <clears throat> that their offense hasn't been at least you know middle of the road. And um, I expect this to be a really low scoring game. You know, Patriots defense is still hanging in there, so I do like the Patriots in, in what I think should be a pretty low scoring game. Amani, your thoughts on uh, on on this Germany game? I like the Colts. I feel like the Patriots, there's there's so much going on, and they're such in turmoil. And you got the Colts, and you got their, they're on their backup quarterback. But this team has – they have so much fight in them. Every time I watch this team, they're competing in games when you think that they're completely out of it. I, I don't know. I just feel like the Colts are a team that are playing for relevancy. And I always talk about the difference between playing for relevancy or playing uh, just to save your, your NFL career. It's very, very hard to play just to save your career, especially when you're two and seven right now that the, that the, uh, the New England Patriots are. It's just it's a it's a tough situation when you start to expect that shoe to drop and figure out and figuring out ways to lose as opposed to being competitive like the Colts have been for the majority of this season. It's uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, real quick before we take our, our next break, um, the unders have hit this season Unbelievable. Monday night, they're 10 and 1 to the unders. Uh, night games are 23 and 7. And a big reason why, get this, last week, guys, 14 teams played backup quarterbacks. Mm. 14 teams played backup quarterbacks. 10 of those 14 teams were in games that did not get over 42 points. So, and, and so, really quick, Mike, I just, I think that backup quarterbacks are undervalued in this league. Do you agree or disagree? How much value did you put up, put into your backup quarterback when you were a general manager? Yeah, sometimes I didn't do a good enough job. I mean, I remember one time we're driving to the stadium, and it's Brooks Bollinger against Tom Brady. Like, I, I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, I didn't do a good enough job. Um, and, you know, that's where, I, again, I give the Minnesota Vikings, Anita, a ton of credit. Like, they're on their fourth quarterback with Josh Jobs, and they have a puncher's chance. And uh, I don't think we can talk about that enough. It's a remarkable job because these backup quarterbacks, like, the, like look at the stats you just gave us, and we're only halfway through the season. Imagine what it's going to be like, you know, a month from now. Yeah, 100% uh, again, right. Anita Marks, Amani Toomer, and uh, Mike Tannenbaum around the league. Brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish <coughs> Whiskey, the original triple blended, triple distilled, triple cast matured Irish whiskey. 
Make sure to grab a Tullamore Dew during today's action. And remember, when it's game time, it is Tully time. Hang tight. Rich Samini will join us next. Uh, give us a sneak peek preview of that Jets Sunday night primetime game against the Raiders later on tonight. And Paul Gutierrez, who covers the Raiders for ESPN, will be joining us as well. We'll continue with Hour 2 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And now it's time for the Rich Semenya Report brought to you by London Jewelers. Rich, uh, a lot of people are talking about Zach Wilson. A lot of people are talking about how uh, Robert Sala is protecting him. But let's talk about Quentin Williams and this defensive line. How are they going to get after uh, Aiden O'Connell and really start to see what the, the, the Raiders have in this rookie quarterback? morning guys yeah i think absolutely uh that's going to be a key for the jets tonight they're going to have to get some pressure on this young quarterback and the jets d-line is the strength of the team i mean they've absolutely been getting a lot of pressure and sacks i think it was five sacks last week i wrote this morning i mean the weird thing is Quinton williams only has a half a sack and i know some people might look at that and say wow this is a down year for Quinton williams but I wrote about it this morning on ESPN.com. When you take a look at all the numbers and the pass rush pressure and everything like that, he's actually exceeding last year's numbers. So I do expect the Jets' front four to have a night tonight. I think they'll do well. Hey, Rich, we're on the other side of the ball. Earlier this week on ESPN Radio in New York, um, to be generous, Robert Sala gave an unusual answer to Michael Kay about Zach Wilson. Love to get your thoughts on that whole exchange. Yeah, it was a bad answer, Mike. Uh, there's no doubt about it. When a, when a coach uh, makes a cryptic comment about the quarterback situation in a place like New York, you know it's going to go spread like wildfire. And I don't know what his motivation was there. I mean, it just came out. I think he probably wish he could take a mulligan there. When you say, I'll plead the fifth, I mean, it's, oh, it's inviting a lot of conjecture. The bottom line, I mean, look, Zach Wilson has not played well. We know that. Uh, I think would would they pull him tonight? I, I know a lot of Jet fans are thinking like you got to get this guy out of there. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I really don't think they want to do that though. I mean, Tim Boyle's the backup, and I think there's a considerable gap, believe it or not, between Wilson and, and Boyle. And I think they really want to try to make this work with Wilson. But if they lay an egg like they did last week in the first half, then I think he might have no choice but to put in Boyle for the near, you know, just trying to create some sort of spark. Yeah, Mike's had a great point earlier on. We were talking about this game, and he brought up Max Crosby. And we all know that this Jets offensive line, from even in hard knocks, was struggling uh, to try and you know protect the quarterback. How? What kind of plan do the Jets have to slow down uh, this Raiders defense, who's not statistically good, but playing pretty well last played pretty well last week? And, and how are they going to slow down this defensive line uh, led by Max Crosby? Well, for the Jets' sake, I hope it's a better plan than the one they had last week against Bosa and Khalil Mack because that didn't work too well. Uh, they're going to have to move their offensive line a little bit this this week because uh, you know Billy Turner is out uh, with a finger had finger surgery. 
So I suspect Max, Max Mitchell will move back to right tackle, and he's going to be the man on the hot seat because Max Crosby usually rushes from left end, so he'll be over the right tackle. He is, you know, he's arguably one of the two or three best in the league. I mean, he's fantastic, and he never comes off the field. That's the crazy thing about Max Crosby. He's not part of one of these defensive line rotations. He's out there every down. The Jets, for some reason, Hackett is not a huge believer in helping out his tackles. I mean, they use a lot of five-man protections. Uh, they did it earlier in the year when they played Micah Parsons, and we know how that worked out. And last week against Bosa, they did not give a lot of help to the tackle. You know, you, you have to put a tight end there or, or chip with a running back or do something when you're facing a guy like Max Crosby. And I think Nathaniel Hackett has got to figure that out and, and alter his scheme a little bit to try to keep his quarterback from getting knocked down eight times like he did last week. So how do you expect this offensive line to shake out, just given all the other injuries that they have? Well, yeah, that's a good question, Mike. Every week it's like you could pull the names yeah. out of a hat. But, you know, it'll, it'll be the same. I, I, I'm not sure about the right guard this week. I think possibly it could be Xavier Newman-Johnson. They just elevated him from the practice squad yesterday. So uh, that's the one spot where I think there's a question. The other spots are the same. I mean, you're going to have Tipman at center with Tomlinson and Becton. Uh, at uh, on the left side, and it is interesting that Makai Becton, who a lot of people, myself included, didn't even think would get through training camp without getting hurt again, is now one of the most durable guys on the line. He and Tomlinson are the only two guys who have started every game this year, and so uh, it's going to be on the right side this week, though. I mean, the, the new right guard, whoever it is, and then Mitchell at right tackle, dealing with Crosby, that's going to be a major task. <clears throat> and now, when just you- as a follow-up to that, uh, about it. just uh, you know, it, it's it's a weird situation in terms of like now you're playing an interim head coach, and is there like some sort of like concern or consternation from the Jets standpoint? Like, if you're playing Josh McDaniels, you have a big body of work. Now you're going there, and you know they had this big big win against the Giants. And um, any concern from a Jet perspective that they don't know what to expect? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we were those questions were asked to their you know coordinators this week, and they don't expect wholesale changes schematically. It's really hard to change a whole lot in the middle of the year in terms of scheme and so forth. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you saw the spark that the Raiders got last week. I mean, they they just seemed like a different team, which I I think it, it was a commentary on what they thought of their previous coach. You know, they just went out there and had a lot of fun and smoking cigars afterwards, and it was just basically like, you know, good riddance, Josh McDaniels. So I think they're going to get an energized Raiders team that no doubt will be, you know, uh, energized to play on prime time. Uh, but that re- I don't think that's going to have a major impact on the outcome. I mean, the Jets, look, this is essentially a must-win for the Jets. I mean, they're 4-4. Four and four. They still have an outside shot at the playoffs. I think this is a very winnable game for them. I mean, I don't think they could use the excuse that, you know, the Raiders are sparked by a new coach. Uh, a lot of people, when you look at this defense, you look at Quentin Williams, then you also look at Sauce Gardner. Uh, what kind of season do you think he's having this year um, uh, compared to his rookie campaign when he was all pro? Yeah, I mean, that that was going to be a tough encore, Amani. I mean, it was a historic year last year for Sauce Gardner. I think he's having a good year. I thought last week was one of his better games. He played really well. Uh, he's had a couple of missed opportunities. I think all Jet fans remember the dropped interception in Dallas, which could have been a pick six. 
might have changed the momentum of that game. And then he had that holding penalty against Kansas City at the end, which was a big penalty. And so I don't think he's on the level he was last year. But, I mean, let's, let's look at it. The guy, he hit the triple crown last year. You know, he was Pro Bowl. He was Defensive Rookie of the Year. And he was the first-team All-Pro. And the last time a, a rookie corner made a first-team All-Pro was Ronnie Lott back in 1981. So it was a historic year. Soft Gardner is a very, very good football player. Um, maybe when you look at his analytics, maybe not quite on the level as last year, but still having a real good year. And then uh, do you expect any of the changes that uh, Coach Sala would make here coming down the stretch? Um, you know, it doesn't seem like he has a lot of level levers to pull, but clearly given that answer, it just seems like he, he's under some pressure here. Uh, no doubt, Mike. Um, you know, I think we saw last week uh, a healthy Xavier Gibson as the wide receiver three. I think Randall Cobb's days uh, essentially of being a contributor are over. He was a healthy scratch last week. I think he'll be a healthy scratch again. The one move I'd like to see, and I don't think we'll see it any you know this week, but how about giving Izzy Abanaconda, the rookie from Pitt, a chance in the backfield? Yep. I mean, Dalvin Cook is just not getting it done, and I, I get it. It's a different role for Dalvin Cook. He's not used to this. He's a high-volume runner. But in the chances he gets, he just he just does not look like the same Dalvin Cook. So, is he, is, you know, is, might he have some issues in blitz pickup and pass protection? Yeah, all rookies do. But I think he would bring an, a level of explosiveness that they're not getting from uh, from Dalvin Cook. So I'd like to see Izzy Abanaconda get in there. Yeah, another player that's you know having a, a quietly having a a great season coming off the ACLs, Brees Hall. Uh, and he's definitely putting um, he's putting Dalvin Cook on the bench, uh, removing all doubt about his knee injury. Let's talk about his season. I mean, we've got to talk about the highlights, some of the highlights as this 4-4 four and, four and four Jets team has had, especially when they lost Aaron Rodgers, you thought, the whole season. But now they're afloat and alive and well in this playoff race. Um, tell us a little about Brees Hall and, how, and his contribution. Well, I think he would be their offensive MVP so far. Now, I don't know how great an accomplishment that would be because their offense is historically bad. So uh, they've, they've put up some, some really mind-boggling numbers of ineptitude over these first eight games. But you're right, Brees Hall has had a really good year. Um, just the home run ability he affords them. Here's a comparison I think Mike would appreciate. I think he's the best home run hitter the Jets have had at running back since Thomas Jones, probably in 09. Uh, I can't remember the name of the GM who traded for Thomas Jones, but that turned out to be a really good trade. Um, I, think was, uh, and ter- so, I think it was Terry Bradway. Was it Bradway? Okay, that's who I thought. No, I'm just I joking. Come out. <laughs> <laughs> I, know that, I know that, Mike. I busted your chops. That was, that, that was no, one no. of your better trades. Rich, that's okay. That, that's all right. Earlier in the show, Imani Toomer thought that UConn and UMass were the same thing. So, like, it's all <laughs> I heard. I Why heard you bringing that? up old I'm stuff? <laughs> well, you had a good comeback with the Michigan-Ohio State line. But, uh, yeah, so Brees Hall's been outstanding. But they got to get him the ball more. Last week against uh, the Chargers – I mean, I know that the numbers were skewed in the end because they were playing catch-up. The Jets had actually, I think it was 57 dropbacks last week, which is just an obscene number for Zach Wilson. But in the first half, it was a 2-to-1 pass-run ratio. It's like, what are you doing? You know, why are you throwing the ball that much when you have Brees Hall in the backfield 
and your quarterback is getting hammered every time he drops back. So, you know, message to Nathaniel Hackett, get the ball into Brees Hall's hands a little bit more. Yeah, another person is Garrett Wilson. I mean, he's, he has 46 catches, 549 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he's having a great year regardless of who's throwing him the ball. Uh, talk about, I mean, he's an Ohio State guy, so I'm not really, I really don't want to, you know, shine too much well, light you, on I him. I could put your biases aside, put your biases aside. Yeah, but no. But seriously, yeah. though, Garrett Wilson is uh, really impressive. Usually they only say, you know, like like pitchers, you're only as good as your outfield. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a- exceeding uh, his outfield, meaning exceeding what Zach Wilson is providing for him, uh, setting, setting the table for him as a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, he had 1,100 yards as a rookie last year, and he won offensive rookie of the year. I, I thought that was like, considering what he had to deal with that quarterback, that was almost like a 1,500-yard year. <laughs> and it's pretty, much the same, it's pretty much the same deal this year because it's, it's the same quarterback, and he's probably on a 1,000 or 1,100-yard pace again. So it speaks to how good uh, Garrett Wilson is. I think what they need for Garrett Wilson, and it's too late for this year, they got to go out and get another receiver. Mm. I mean, it's just so obvious that there there is a, a huge drop-off from him to the next receiver. I mean, Alan Lazard has just not produced on a level that you would expect your number two. And so, uh, you know, hello, you know, Devontae Adams. I thought it was interesting that Devontae Adams posted a picture uh, on Instagram of him and Aaron Rodgers last night hanging out in Vegas. And so Jet fans, uh, that'll be the story of the offseason because you can bet the Jets are going to make a run at, uh, to try to trade for Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I, I thought, Rich, to that point, going back to the trade deadline, I really thought that getting uh, Devontae Adams was going to be part of like making sure that you know Aaron Rodgers would want to come back. So you get a little bit better this year. And as you mentioned, better than Lazard, better than Randall Cobb. So obviously you're improving this year, but more importantly – uh, as Aaron Rodgers is thinking about his future, I'd like to play with his you know, good friend, Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, they did talk to the Raiders. I mean, I think they made a phone call you know, right before the deadline to try and pry him away, but I think the Raiders made it pretty clear that they were not interested in moving him uh, during this season. However, they'll probably have a new regime in there next year, and they're going to need a quarterback, so they're probably going to be looking to trade some assets for draft capital. And, you know, obviously Devontae Adams is one of their best assets, so I, I think he'll be on the trading block. And I'd be surprised if the Jets don't get a Devontae Adams in the offseason. I think they will try to make that happen for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, thanks a lot, Rich, for uh, your insights, taking us in the locker room on what's going to happen later on tonight. Uh, thanks a lot, Rich. All right, guys. Have a good one. Uh, that was Rich Samini uh, in the Jets report brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. Visit them at any of their seven locations, including Short Hills, or shop online at LondonJewelers.com. Uh, right now, we're going to throw it over to Anita, who spoke with Raiders beat reporter Paul Gutierrez. Amani, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. All right, we just heard from Rich Samini. Now let's hear from Paul Gutierrez, who's the beat reporter for the Raiders. And my first question to him, first and foremost, was, you know, so many changes last week. Let's look back before we look forward in all the changes that took place in the Raiders still beating the Giants. Paul, let's look back before we look forward, right? And, and obviously a lot of changes. 
take us through the week that was Josh getting fired, Antonio Pierce becoming the interim coach, and and all that went on with this organization. Yeah, it's been uh, if it's if it's not something going wild on with the Raiders, and it's not a regular Raider season. I mean, every every few years or so, it seems like the poles shift, and uh, you have to kind of hit reset in the middle of a season. Um, a couple of years ago is John Gruden, um, you know, and then this year it's, it's, it's Josh McDaniels, and Dave Ziegler being, being shown the door and, and uh, the, the Raiders responding accordingly. I mean, really, if you think about it, the way they came out and, and showed out really against the New York giants, uh, a, a lot of emotion, they played with their emotions on their sleeve. They played as if they had not uh, played for a long time, certainly not under Josh McDaniels. And that's not a shot at Josh McDaniels, just the, the emotions they showed in that game, the emotions they showed, during the week after the game, they had a cigar party, things that you don't really see in an NFL locker room during a regular season game uh, to improve to four and five. You know, like, a lot of fans were turned off by it. A lot of fans understood what it meant. It just simply meant that they were able to play without um, a lot of anxiety, without a lot of the feeling of somebody looking over their shoulders. They were just able to go out there and play. And that's what Antonio Pierce brings. Um, he just kind of lets them play as a former player himself for those same New York Giants. Um, he understands what the players kind of need, and he's not that far removed from playing himself. He last played in 2009. So, yeah, he, he's in an interim level, and it just feels like a brand-new day, so to speak, um, because the the old way just was not – it simply was not working. Um, so, again, it wasn't just firing the head coach. It was the head coach, the right. general manager, the offensive coordinator, and then, of course, the benching of one Jimmy Garoppolo and yep. Aiden O'Connell coming in and, and quarterbacking. Um, talk about Aiden O'Connell. Talk about his performance. Uh, you know, you could look at it and say, uh, you know, he, he had a solid game, no bells and whistles, not that he was going to win your fantasy football match for you, but he did help the Raiders <laughs> win. And, and the Giants defense uh, really did not look stellar. So uh, give, give us some insight on O'Connell, please. Yeah, it was his second uh, start. He actually started one game in week four at the Chargers when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was out with the concussion. And, you know, that game, he held on to the ball entirely too long. He was uh, sacked seven times. He turned the ball over three times himself um, in that game. So when he got the opportunity now, again, he was playing as if he didn't have to look over his shoulders because heading into that game, as Antonio Pierce said, you know, Aiden's the guy going forward. So when you have that kind of trust instilled in you from your coach, um, you're just going to go out there and manage the game. And that's essentially what he did against the Giants. He managed the game. He, they weren't looking at him to win the game, per se. They were looking at the defense to do that. They were looking at Josh Jacobs, uh, the running game, to get it going and, and, and win the game that way. So they just didn't need him to make any, quote-unquote, mistakes. And sure enough, offensively, they did not turn the ball over for the first time all season long. Meanwhile, the defense was getting uh, a lot of takeaways. So that's what they needed out of him at that point. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they need out of him going against a much better, much more ferocious defense with with what the Jets bring to town. But but in terms of what he is, I mean, you know, he was the last pick of the fourth round. He was kind of an I'm not going to say he was an afterthought, but he was the guy that the Raiders had to take at that spot in the fourth round because there was a run on quarterbacks and you knew the Raiders were going to have to draft somebody at some point, And he was their guy. So I'm not saying he's Mr. Right, but he's definitely Mr. Right now. You know, it's interesting, Paul, because, you know, these te these two teams pretty much, I, I think they mirror each other in a number of ways, especially on the offensive side of the ball, right? The Jets are winning with a formula uh, telling Zach Wilson, just don't turn the ball over. If you don't turn the ball over, leave it up to the defense, uh, we'll win games. Um, Aiden O'Connell, don't turn the ball over, let's get a heavy dose of, of Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, yep. 
and really, uh, you know, rely on on the rushing attack uh, and hope that this defense uh, can 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 you know bring some plays home. What what do you think the formula is going to be for them this week against, like I said, a Jets team that I think kind of mirrors them in a number of ways? Similar. They want to establish a run. And and anybody will tell you that games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage anyway. So if they can establish the run, the Raiders, that is, that's their formula. But they also they've got a pretty good receiver in Devontae Adams, too, that if and when he gets single coverage, uh, they're going to be looking at him. Jacoby Myers has been a revelation for the Raiders this year. He's a, he's a solid number two, but he's been putting up some number one numbers uh, along the way too. And, and uh, you know, Josh Jacobs likes to catch the ball at the backfield as well. So they've got a lot more options offensively, I think, than the Jets do. Um, but again, it's, it, I think it just literally comes down to the Jets defense against the Raiders offense. And because the other way around, it kind of cancels each other out. I think the, the Raiders have more weapons on offense. It's just a matter, can that offensive line protect Aiden O'Connell long enough to find those weapons down the field. And when they started against the uh, Chargers in week four, that was not the case at all. Um, you know, this is going to be a really fun matchup to watch, right? Um, with with uh, Adams going up against Sauce Gardner, yeah. right? Uh, talk about the frustrations that he's had this season. And, and you saw it, you know, it's hard to wear, you know, he does wear his emotions on his sleeve, it's hard not to be frustrated when many people feel that he's one of the best, if the not best wide receiver in the NFL, but unfortunately is not getting the opportunities for a variety of reasons. I'm sure. How has, how has, how has Devonte added, how has he responded to the change of Aiden O'Connell? Like how, how does, how, what's his mentality heading into this game against the Jets? Yeah. Devonte, I would, I would say is the ultimate pro. Um, in terms of how to handle the situations that, that come to him. He's he's kind of the anti-diva diva receiver. Because when you think of the great receivers of all times, they're all the, the just throw me the damn ball, right? Or, or uh, you know, the Keyshawns or or the the TOs, the Antonio Browns, the Randy Mosses. You think of the diva receiver, and he's anything but that. And I did a story on him earlier in the year where Jacoby uh, Myers told me, he said, yeah, he's got every right in the world to be that guy, but he's not. So the frustration, though, has been bubbling up, and you, you saw it on Monday Night Football in, in Josh McDaniels' last game as head coach when when Jimmy Garoppolo missed him a couple times when he was wide open deep, and he slams his helmet in the ground and says, you know, if you could read his lips, you could see exactly what he said. And he's tired of this stuff. He didn't say stuff, but, you know, you could see exactly what he's talking about. Um, but his whole mindset has been this. It's fine if he's not getting the ball so long as they're having success or the offense looks right. It looks good in his mind. And um, – that wasn't happening. He wasn't having any individual success. They weren't having any having any team success either. So that's where the frustration was coming from. After this last game, he didn't put up monster numbers, but the offense looked better. And that's what he told me after the game was, this is this is how it was supposed to look. Does he want more, more balls thrown his way? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? But as long as they're having success, as long as they're winning games and, and the offense is not out of whack, then he's fine with that. At least that's what he says publicly. You know, this is going to be Zach Wilson's first career game uh, on the Pacific time. Uh, his previous three West games were in the mountain time zone, mm. not the Pacific. Uh, he's two and one straight up as well as against the spread. And here's a really interesting uh, trend stats that I came across. This will be the 34th night game for the Jets and Giants since 2018. Um, they are combined Four and 29 straight up 
including two and 25 straight up in their last 27 night games. Since 2018, the Jets and Giants are one and 15 straight up at home at night, and they are two and 14 straight up in their last 16 road games at night. That's interesting. Isn't it? I mean, and and again, I I think it's also interesting, again, coming off of, you know, your game against the Giants and then now heading into a primetime game against the Jets. It definitely lends that the trends are very much in the Raiders' favors. Uh, with that being said, before I, I let you go, I'm just cu- curious to get your thoughts on on game script and how you think this is going to play out. A lot of people feel like this is going to be like a come down moment for the Raiders, right? Really big, really hyped. They won. They beat the Giants, smoking cigars in the locker room. Mm-hmm. It's through for Antonio Pierce. H- how has this team now gotten refocused this week for the Jets? And do you feel that this could be a letdown spot for them? Well, the locker room has definitely been a lot more mellow this week than it was um, definitely after the game. But even last week, you you had the sense like the first thing we saw when we went in the locker room after uh, Antonio took over was there was a, a basketball hoop put up. You know, it's like a little pop a shot kind of a thing, but there was a hoop up and Devontae Adams was putting on a show for all the cameras and for everything. And then, you know, you had the, the Friday dance party out there on the field before practice where they have a dance off that 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 happened the end of the day. But the locker room has been very, very mellow. So in terms of a, a, a come down, I think they, they just kind of realize that, look, there's a time to have fun. There's a time for business. And it's not all business. It's not all fun. They have to find that that yin and yang, of, so to speak, of it. So that's where I, I believe they're they're trying to go right now is to figure that aspect of it out. And the more they win, the more they have success, then that's going to breed the fun too. So yeah, it's interesting that uh, it was only two weeks ago, two short weeks ago when they were on Monday Night Football. And they were embarrassed. And Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler paid for it with their jobs. Less than two weeks later, they got their own home game. And per Vivid Seats, I I tweeted it out earlier, um, they're expecting 77% of the crowd to be Raider fans, which is a huge number considering visiting fans usually take over the stadium. And they they have this far, thus far anyway. So that that also speaks to an uh, an energy of the fan base that they want to come and they want to see this team and um, support them. And you didn't see that earlier in the year when, when different teams are coming in, when the Steelers fans took it over, when the Packers fans took it over, when even the Patriots fans had a, a sizable contingent in there. So it's going to be real interesting to see how that side of things pays off for the Raiders. All right. I want to thank Rich Semini as well as Paul Gutierrez giving us a really good insight in getting us ready for that Sunday night matchup between the Jets and the Raiders. Still a lot more coming your way. My best bets coming up next. The Locket. The locks of the week, you got to lock them in, (laughs) coming your way at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today.